Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast from Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to get into God's Word every single day, so we decided to read through the Bible chronologically and talk about it together. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan and I'm here with Chelsea today and we are continuing to dive into Job. Today we are looking at Job 8, uh, kind of continuing from there. Uh, Chelsea, the first question I have for you, do you know the the shortest person in the whole Bible, do you know who that is? Like the shortest person in height? Yeah, yeah, the the the, the shortest statured person in the entire Bible. Is this a trick question? No, it's it's Bildad the shoe height. He was as tall as a shoe. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> so we get introduced to the shortest person in the Bible, and suddenly we have millions of unsubscribes. <laughs> Guys, Bildad the shoe height. He was the shortest person in the Bible. You thought it was Zacchaeus. It wasn't. Um. So, on a serious note. <laughs> let's um, jump into suffering. <laughs> <laughs> from shoe height people, let's get into suffering. Uh, we do hear from Bill Dad. We haven't heard from him yet. Um, but you will notice if you're tracking with us, and, and again, we encourage you, especially with Job, to kind of read this for yourself and kind of reread it over and over again to get a picture of what's going on here. But these friends start to get more and more pointed. Yeah. Like, like Bill <laughs> Dad, nice. <laughs> they are not nice. Especially when you consider, like, I, I think of this story, like, Job is, like, still, like, everything's still smoking behind him. He still has boils on his skin yeah. or whatever. <laughs> and they're like, you're not a man of integrity. Uh, that is basically what Bill Dad is going to, to tell him, that you're not a man of integrity. Uh, one of the most pointed things he says, he's talking about people that, uh, if people find security in their houses, they won't last. Again, Job's like burning houses behind right. him. He doesn't even have a house. <laughs> right. Uh, and then he he kind of turns around and says, hey, a person of integrity will not be rejected by God. So Bildad, his whole case is like, Job, you're not a good guy. Like, you really got to stop saying that you are. And if you would just own this, we could get over this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, that's his speech. Yeah, and so Ryan and I are talking about this passage a little bit and saying how these friends, as they think they know so much about God and are telling Job about God, that they almost put themselves in God's place. They are like so condescending in how they talk to him that they are sure this is how God must operate. Um, but still, they don't know Job's heart. There's, they have no way of knowing if Job has sinned or not. And Job knows his own heart. He knows, and he has the humility to admit if he's sinned or not. That's what's crazy to me going through Job is like over and over again, he's like, if I've sinned, just tell me. And the friends keep going, yeah, you've sinned. <laughs> and he's like, but he has this humility. Um, but we see over and over again how these friends are just, yeah, they're not they're not great friends. <laughs> they're not great friends. <laughs> uh, one thing that I do want to point out today is that you'll kind of like – Kind of the theology of these friends is starting to take shape, and it really is like if you're good, you get good things. If you're bad, you get bad things. Like that really is their view of God. Um, Jesus has some things to say about that. So if you if you have a chance, go check out uh, Matthew 5. Uh, but in Matthew 5, Jesus is going to start talking about uh, the righteous and the unrighteous. So in Matthew 5, let me see here, uh, 5... 45. In that way, you'll, this is Jesus speaking. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your father in heaven, for he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Um, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for you? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind of only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. So Jesus is kind of like, that. that's not necessarily the main point of what Jesus is saying, but Jesus does make the point in Matthew 5 that God does 
good things for bad people and he does bad things for good people. Yeah. Like there's not necessarily this cause and effect thing going on. Uh, there is judgment, you know, like it's not like do whatever you want and right. you'll probably be fine. Uh, but it's also not necessarily this cause and effect thing. Right. And it just goes into the question of why do bad things happen to good people? And exactly. we'll encounter this question over and over again as we study Job. But the other thing I was talking to Ryan about was that these, as these men, these friends of Job are explore, are saying what God is, are saying how the world works, this law of retribution that we talked about before. Job is actually exploring who God is. He talks about God moving mountains and commanding darkness and light. And as he's exploring these amazing, wonderful, too awesome to even comprehend attributes of God, his faith is growing stronger through it. He's understanding, as we'll get to the end of Job, like, we just can't comprehend God. Also, what's interesting is Job is kind of speaking on what he believes about God. He says things about God that we will see happen in the Bible. Yeah. So uh, uh-huh. it, it just stuck out to me as I, was, as I was reading it. He says, he shakes the earth from its place and its foundations tremble. Like the, the, when Jesus dies, there's a huge earthquake right. because God is shaking the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, if he commands it, the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine. One of the plagues that strikes Egypt is that there's just complete darkness. The sun doesn't come out. The stars don't come out. It's dark. Mm. So this is, again, God doing exactly what Job says he does. Uh, he alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. Like there is this really incredible story where Jesus is just out walking on the Sea of Galilee. Like, he is marching on the waves of the sea. So, again, like, when we do kind of this chronological full narrative thing, it's very cool to see Job saying these things about God and later on seeing God do these things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as we look at Zophar's response, Zophar comes into play for the first time in this passage that we're reading today, and he says things like this. He's like, can you discover the mysteries of God? Like, what do you know about the Almighty? But he says it with this heart of, I hope God does talk to you. I hope he does show you just how bad you are. I mean, it's just like I wish you could see Chelsea's uh, facial expressions and hand motions right now. It looks like we're going to be in like a street fight very soon. (laughs) People are going to walk by and be like, are they okay? (laughs) (laughs) But really, he's he's— He's saying truth about God, but in a way that reveals his heart's intentions. He wants Job to suffer. Like, you can see that. He wants Job to be like, oh, yeah, like, I'm the worst. <laughs> like, there's no heart behind it that wants what's best for Job. It's really interesting and a great a great way to look at friendship and how we deal with the people around us and how we connect with them. So, guys, thanks so much for listening today. Again, it's another uh, great day in Joe. We're going to continue in it and we're so excited about what we're learning about God. Have a great day. Bye. Job chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Bildad's first response to Job. Then Bildad the Shuite replied to Job, How long will you go on like this? You sound like a blustering wind. Does God twist justice? Does the Almighty twist what is right? Your children must have sinned against him, so their punishment was well-deserved. But if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you are pure and live with integrity, he will surely rise up and restore your happy home. And though you started with little, you will end with much. Just ask the previous generation. Pay attention to the experience of our ancestors, for we were born but yesterday and know nothing. Our days on earth are as fleeting as a shadow. But those who came before us will teach you. They will teach you the wisdom of old. Can papyrus reeds grow tall without a marsh? Can marsh grass flourish without water? While they are still flowering, not ready to be cut, they begin to wither more quickly than grass. 
The same happens to all who forget God. The hopes of the godless evaporate. Their confidence hangs by a thread. They are leaning on a spider's web. They cling to their home for security, but it won't last. They try to hold it tight, but it will not endure. The godless seem like a lush plant growing in the sunshine, its branches spreading across the garden. Its roots grow down through a pile of stones. It takes hold onto a bed of rocks. But when it is uprooted, it's as though it never existed. That's the end of its life, and others spring up from the earth to replace it. But look, God will not reject a person of integrity, nor will he lend a hand to the wicked. He will once again fill your mouth with laughter and your lips with shouts of joy. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the home of the wicked will be destroyed. Job's third speech, a response to Bildad. Then Job spoke again. Yes, I know all this is true in principle, but how can a person be declared innocent in God's sight? If someone went to take God to court, would it be possible to answer him even once in a thousand times? For God is so wise and so mighty, who has ever challenged him successfully? Without warning, he moves the mountains, overturning them in his anger. He shakes the earth from its place and its foundations tremble. If he commands it, the sun won't rise and the stars won't shine. He alone has spread out the heavens and marches on the waves of the sea. He made all the stars, the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the constellations of the southern sky. He does great things too marvelous to understand. He performs countless miracles. Yet when he comes near, I cannot see him. When he moves by, I do not see him go. If he snatches someone in death, who can stop him? Who dares to ask, what are you doing? And God does not restrain his anger. Even the monsters of the sea are crushed beneath his feet. So who am I that I should try to answer God, or even reason with Him? Even if I were right, I would have no defense. I could only plead for mercy. And even if I summoned Him and He responded, I'm not sure He would listen to me, for He attacks me with a storm and repeatedly ruins me without cause. But He will not let let me catch my breath, and fills me instead with bitter sorrows. If it's a question of strength, He's the strong one. If it's a matter of justice, who dares to summon Him to court? Though I am innocent, my own mouth would pronounce me guilty. Though I am blameless, it would prove me wicked. I am innocent, but it makes no difference to me. I despise my life. Innocent or wicked, it's all the same to God. That's why I say He destroys both the blameless and the wicked. When a plague sweeps through, He laughs at the death of the innocent. The whole earth is in the hands of the wicked, and God blinds the eyes of the judges." If he is not the one who does it, who is? My life passes more swiftly than a runner. It flees away without a glimpse of happiness. It disappears like a swift papyrus boat, like an eagle swooping down on its prey. If I decide to forget my complaints, to put away my sad face and be cheerful, I would still dread all the pain, for I know you will not find me innocent, O God. Whatever happens, I will be found guilty. So what's the use of trying? Even if I were to wash myself with soap and clean my hands with lye, you would plunge me into a muddy ditch and my own filthy clothing would hate me. God is not a mortal like me, so I cannot argue with him or take him to trial. If only there were a mediator between us, someone who could bring us together. The mediator could make God stop beating me, and I would no longer live in terror of his punishment. Then I could speak to him without fear, but I cannot do that in my own strength. Job frames his plea to God. I am disgusted with my life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you are bringing against me. What do you gain by oppressing me? Why do you reject me? The work of your own hands while smiling on the schemes of the wicked. Are your eyes like those of a human? Do you see things only as people see them? Is your lifetime only as long as ours? Is your life so short that you must quickly probe for my guilt and search me for my sin? Although you know I am not 
not guilty. No one can rescue me from your hands. You formed me with your hands. You made me. Yet now you completely destroy me. Remember that you made me from dust. Will you return? Will you turn me back to dust so soon? You guided my conception and formed me in the womb. You clothed me with skin and flesh. You knit my bones and sinews together. You gave me life and showed me your unfailing love. My life was preserved by your care. Yet your real motive, your true intent, was to watch me, and if I sinned, you would not forgive my guilt. If I am guilty, too bad for me. And even if I'm innocent, I can't hold my head high because I'm filled with shame and misery. And if I hold my head high, you hunt me like a lion and display your awesome power against me. Again and again, your witness against me. You pour out your growing anger on me and bring fresh armies against me. Why then did you deliver me from my mother's womb? Why didn't you let me die at birth? It would be as though I had never existed, going directly from the womb to the grave. I have only a few days left, so leave me alone that I may have a moment of comfort before I leave, never to return for the land of darkness and utter, utter gloom. It is a land as dark as midnight, a land of gloom and confusion, where even the light is dark as midnight. Zophar's first response to Job. Then Zophar the Nemethite replied to Job, Shouldn't someone answer this torrent of words? Is a person proved innocent just by a lot of talking? Should I remain silent while you babble on when you mock God? Shouldn't someone make you ashamed? You claim my beliefs are pure and I am clean in the sight of God. If only God would speak. If only he would tell you what he thinks. If only he would tell you the secrets of wisdom, for true wisdom is not a simple matter. Listen, God is doubtless punishing you, far less than you deserve. Can you solve the mysteries of God? Can you discover everything about the Almighty? Such knowledge is higher than the heavens. And who are you? It is deeper than the underworld. What do you know? It is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. If God comes and puts a person in prison— or cause the court to order, who can stop him? For he knows those who are false, and he takes note of all their sins. An empty-headed person would, won't become wise any more than a wild donkey could bear a human child. If only you would prepare your heart and lift up your hands to him in prayer, get rid of your sins, and leave all your iniquity behind you. Then your face will brighten with innocence. You will be strong and free of fear. You will forget your misery. It will be like water flowing away. Your life will be brighter than the noonday. Even darkness will be as bright as morning. Having hope will give you courage. You'll be protected and will rest in safety. You will lie down unafraid, and many will look to you for help. But the wicked will be blinded, and they will have no escape. Their only hope is death. 